every time a preacher develops a sermon, there are always things that don't make the cut. Observations, connections that just wouldn't fit. There are always extra pieces of information. These are those extras. This is Sunday Morning Leftovers. Hey everybody, how's it going? So I hope that uh, you're having a good week. Um, it's Tuesday, so I'm a day late at doing this, but hey, at least I'm doing it now uh, a little bit. So um, I, I got a different uh, camera set up right at the moment because my camera is uh, now acting as a security camera downstairs. So, <coughs> so uh, if, if you're... Uh, a watcher of videos rather than a listener of podcasts. Frankly, you're 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 probably not watching my uh, ugly face anyway. You're probably just listening to the video. At least that's what I do most of the time uh, when I listen to stuff like this. But um, anyway, this is Sunday morning leftovers. So, and I actually have some uh, something that uh, I think is pretty cool. I as I'm developing my sermon last week, um, there there's a parallel. Uh, that that um, that I think of, uh, that I thought of, that I, I I attempted to to work it into the sermon, but it just there was you know I, I've already gotten a couple of comments about how lengthy the service was yesterday or Sunday, so um, I, I'm gonna I, I long story short there wasn't enough time, so. Um, but we were in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28, and it's the story of the, the faith of a Canaanite woman. Uh, in fact, if your Bible above that little section probably has that or a similar title for that little section there. I'm just going to read it quick. Um, uh, so Matthew 15, 21 to 28 says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Um, that was the ESV uh, version, English Standard Version of the Bible. So this story uh, is one that... Uh, Really, it, it comes directly after the Pharisees and scribes have had their little altercation with Christ um, because of uh, their um, frustration that he and the disciples don't uh, lift up the traditions to the same level that they do. They don't keep the, the traditions the same way. Uh, in particular, the tradition was washing hands uh, ceremonially before eating bread, specifically. Um, but... So you have, and we've talked about this, right, for the past weeks. We've talked about this idea that the, the 
Israelites, the, the Jewish people at this point in history, by and large, collectively, not every individual, okay, but, but collectively were, um, were rejecting their Messiah. And so they were at odds with God during this time. And, um, and so there's this little story right in the middle of the section where we've been dealing with Jesus um, and uh, frankly for chapters and chapters there have been examples of Jesus clashing with the religious leaders and clashing with Israel and you know even the Sunday morning leftovers from last week right that the, the Jesus feeds the 5,000 and then it's not long after that that some of those same people who were obsessed with him hear him say some hard things and they're like, uh, yep, we're out. This is getting weird, right? Even though they saw the miracles, they saw this little bit of food become enough to feed all of them and then have 12 basketfuls left over. Even though before that even, they saw him healing their sick and, and taking care of the needs of the people. But when he started teaching some things that were really hard to hear, hard to understand, um, they, they booked it, right? Like they were out. So we're we're seeing um, uh, uh, we're seeing a, a blatant um, rejection of the Messiah of the King, and therefore blatantly being at odds with God. And so here in this story from this past Sunday, we have this moment where Jesus uh, goes to the Gentiles. Um, Jesus goes to. Uh, Mark's version of this story indicates that Jesus went to the region and went into a house. Um, and seem, it seems like from Mark's telling that Jesus attempted to uh, kind of hide, like he wasn't interested in, in uh, being around tons of people and, and uh, doing things it, it, like he was trying to um, get away. Uh, rest, rejuvenate, maybe spend one of those uh, days in prayer sort of a thing, be with his disciples only. But while he's there, um, this Canaanite woman at some point uh, comes to him. And there's this whole story that I just read to you, this back and forth where Jesus is talking about the difference between his mission, which first and foremost was to come to Israel, and, and uh, then here's this woman who says, yes, Lord, but, um, but please help me, <laughs> essentially. She had faith that he would help her. Well, this is, this is also, um, there's something else going on here as well that we didn't jump into much um, Sunday. And that's, that's the, uh, this idea that if, if you, um, if Israel is going to reject um, her king, then he will go elsewhere. <laughs> um, and it, somebody's getting blessed, right? Like this is the idea. And, and you, you see that in some of his parables and other things as we continue through Matthew. But um, it's, really, it's, it's really important because we see in the church today, um, we see many, many, many uh, um, churches, at, at least the things that you, you run into uh, that are mainstream, okay? Um, sometimes I feel like I paint the picture of the church in America as holistically going nuts and down the, the wrong rabbit hole when I, really what I talk about and what I'm talking about when I say those kinds of things are um, the, there, there are 
predominant churches, mainstream churches uh, that have a lot of pull, that are in media a lot, that have huge social media pages, whatever. And when those people are talking crazy, um, it, it's, it's a bigger deal, <laughs> kind of, because they have so much influence on so many people. And so that's what I see happening. And, and so those are, those are the kind of churches that, that I guess I'm talking about. But, um, but we see this happening um, in, in our nation today, um, even among people who claim to be believers. There's a, a rejection um, that, that you'll see happening to, um, you know, with we've been focused a lot um, on this, this idea of, of reforming, um, essentially going back to the word. What does the word say? And if the word of God doesn't say it, if, if then, then shut your mouth, right? I, I mean, because that is the plumb line. So if we're going to um, argue uh, theology, doctrine, things like that, you, you, the argument can't be, well, that can't be true <laughs> because logically, right? If Scripture says it, then it's true. So uh, we've, we've been doing this on purpose, bringing, um, bringing out the importance of knowing the Word of God because the culture's going nuts, and even church culture is kind of wishy-washy and struggling and, and losing its identity a little bit. And so um, it's, it's important for us to do that because we don't want to be church people who are rejecting our king because that's a goat thing. That's not a sheep thing, right? So one of the inter interesting things, excuse me, about this story, when Jesus goes to the Gentiles, there's a, a story that he talks about um, in Luke um, as that Luke tells. Um, when Jesus goes to Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, and he's essentially coming out of his Messiah closet, right? He, he's, he comes to Nazareth, he sits down, he reads from Isaiah, from the scroll of Isaiah. Um, he says, he turned to the place where it was written, and he read to the people, right? Jesus in the synagogue reads to the people. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So that, that would be the time, the way that things worked then. That's the time in which... He would expound on that text. He would teach from what he just read. And, uh, and in verse 21 of chapter 4, it says, And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. One of the biggest sentences that he could have said, right? One of this, the, the, um, the reach that that sentence has, right? That's such a major thing to say. He, he basically says to them that that text, that clearly messianic, clearly about the Christ to come text that I just read from Isaiah, that prophecy that clearly talked about the coming king, yeah, that's me. And he says, uh, it's all spoke well of him, marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth, and they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, so they were doubting already, right? 
Uh, he said to them, uh, uh, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, this is where it gets interesting. This is where I'm going with the whole thing, right? In verse 24, chapter 4, And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up uh, three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Of course, when they heard these two examples, it says uh, all the synagogue, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. So needless to say, they're frustrated by what Jesus is asserting here. Their lack of belief in him that they're displaying. Isn't this Joseph's kid, right? Their lack of belief that he's that he is who he just claimed to be, he likens it to these two examples. And and specifically, I want to hit verse 20, uh, 25 and 26. In truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So this is talking about some stuff that was going on all the way back in First Kings, right? First Kings chapter 16-ish through 18-ish. There's a whole... Uh, narrative about Ahab and Elijah and the sort of uh, all of you would would likely remember uh, Elijah goes and uh, calls down fire from heaven and um, that that whole scenario and then over the 400 prophets of Baal get slayed um, well so in verse 29 of chapter 16 of first Kings um, Ahab is introduced um, King Ahab and in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Amri, began to reign uh, over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Amri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. So, uh, here, okay, to add a little bit more context, I'm going to read one more verse. Oh, wow, a couple more. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, verse 31, and as if it had been a light, uh, uh, um, a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he uh, took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ithbaal, the king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So there's this whole uh, thing uh, with Ahab and, and Jezebel. Um, and it's just super wicked, right? This was a time in Israel's history that 
that was shameful, that, that would be embarrassing to talk about and remember and think on very long. It, it's one of those things that you, you keep in the history books to learn not to do it, to remember not to be like this, right? That, that's what this kind of story is. Well, if you know anything about Baal worship, I mean, it included uh, things uh, up, up to and including sacrificing your own young children or babies, uh, to Baal, like killing them, right? Like human sacrifices, um, to Baal. And, and this is, this is despicable. So Ahab, uh, marries a Sidonian, uh, the same region Jesus goes to in, uh, the, the story from Sunday. He marries a Sidonian, uh, Jezebel, who is super wicked and, um, idolatrous. She, she, apparently, I'm sure, uh, grew up worshiping Baal. That's what she knew. And that whole evil way of worship and doing all the things, this was just who she was. Well, Israel didn't slay the Sidonians when they were supposed to in the first place coming into the promised land. And this is part of that thorn in the side thing that I mentioned Sunday there. They just continuously had issues intermarrying, doing the things they weren't supposed to do, being pulled into the worshiping the gods of the Sidonians. Um, and this, this is part of that. So the context here, Elijah is, uh, he, he's going to predict a drought. He predicts this drought that Jesus mentions uh, three years, right? And, um, and uh, let's see. So he, Elijah predicts this drought. This is a time, uh, the point I wanted to make, that this is a time in Israel's history, that I, as I said, that, that is shameful. It's a time when, when what, what did it just say? That uh, Ahab, um, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So this is a time when Israel really made God mad. When uh, it was not about Yahweh, it was about everything but. Uh, they were rejecting God. They were rejecting God as God introduced himself, remember, uh, over and over again in the Old Testament. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I, I am literally, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Um, so he continuously reminds them by even his introductions in the Old Testament, um, hey, remember who I am. Remember what I've done for you. Um, and here, clearly, there's, there's none of this. They, they do not care. Uh, being led by Ahab down a rabbit hole that, it, that leads straight to the pit of hell. And so Elijah... Um, this uh, famine drought thing is going on. It's not going to rain for a few years. Um, verse 7 of chapter 17 says, And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So there's the, it's, it's getting bad, right? And right in the middle, uh, so in verse 18, Elijah confronts Ahab. And this is that great uh, story in, in chapter 18, rather. Chapter 18 of 1 Kings is that great story that we talked about um, that I mentioned briefly before, this uh, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you're, 
for you are many and call upon the name of your God to put fire to it. And they took the bull that was, and, and so uh, a couple of verses later, and at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he uh, is, I think it says he's sleeping, right? Yeah. For he's a God, either he is uh, musing or he's relieving himself or he's uh, on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. So he's like making fun of them, right? Because he knows who his God is, right? He knows that his God is the God with all the power, period. And, and that's it. End of story, right? And it goes on to uh, he he goes on to soak uh, the the offering the uh, and and calls down fire from heaven. Essentially, he prays to God a, a pretty short prayer, and God sends fire down and consumes a whole bunch of stuff. Like it it was long story short, that would have been a sweet movie scene, right? <laughs> like that would have been an epic. Uh, uh, that's an epic story in the scriptures. Well, right in the middle of this whole thing, you have the context being that Israel is in, in clear and utter rebellion against God, right? At this moment, they're, they're doing the Jonathan Edwards sinners in the hands of an angry God thing, right? This is, this is who they are. Um, and, and right in the middle of it, in chapter 17, then the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 8. This is Elijah. The word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. So Jezebel, again, Jezebel is an evil woman. Queen Jezebel, evil woman, is from the Sidonians. So going to the land of Sidon, right? This is an evil place. This is where pagans dwell, okay? But God tells him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And so there's this whole narrative um, that takes up the rest of the chapter in which um, he goes and... um, does just what God says. The uh, widow witnesses a miracle, uh, witnesses a miracle from him in uh, providing food that didn't exist, sort of a thing. Um, and then, and then uh, Elijah he hears from her that her son is dead, and um, or that he's, um, yeah, he's dead. And then Eli goes and. And uh, brings him back to life, right? Restores his life. So there's this, there's this whole narrative right in the midst of Israel in utter rebellion against God, that God sends, uh, God sends uh, Elijah to the same exact pagan location, area that Jesus goes to in Matthew, chapter fifteen where he is confronted by another woman in need and he heals her. When there are plenty of women in need by the Sea of Galilee, where he's been, there are plenty of people in need of him elsewhere, among Israel. But here we have him doing this. And, and Jesus expounds on this in Luke when he says what he says. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months 
and a great famine came over all the land. So Jesus is saying there, there were many people in need in Israel. There were many widows, just like the woman in the story in 1 Kings. There were many of those gals who needed that help, who didn't have anything else. There were many of those in Israel. But Israel was in rebellion against God. Israel was rejecting their God. And Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So in the midst of the rebellion in, in the Old Testament that was going on with Ahab and Jezebel in Israel, God sent Elijah somewhere else to take care of a different widow. And here in this story, when Jesus is rejected at Nazareth here in Luke, Jesus uses that same example to let them know this, this rejecting me, this is the same thing. This is the same thing as all of the despicable Baal worship, all of the things that were going on with Ahab. You're doing the same thing. You're rejecting your God, your king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You're rejecting him, and it's not going to last forever. People pay for rejecting Christ. And, and his gospel. And that's why it's so important now in our day as we see so much false junk. I mean, listen, there, there are things that we can have theological discussions about. Um, I'm, I'm up for uh, discussion when it comes to um, continuationism and cessationism. I think that's a talk that we can have, right? But there, there are also really crazy things out there that, that we need to know what the Word says, stand on the Word, stand with the God that, that gave us the Word, despite what it says. Just whatever, however hard it is, may we not be one of those uh, 5,000 uh, who saw all that Jesus did, heard all that Jesus taught, and then were offended when it got difficult. May that not be us. Uh, I hope and trust that this has been something that uh, has made you go, oh, I didn't think about that, because that's really part of what this is supposed to be. Um, as just kind of leading you down another little rabbit hole and showing you, honestly, there are so many things about each text of Scripture that there's, there's literally no way that you could preach yourself out of the Bible. That there's no way on Sunday mornings I could preach enough, teach enough in Sunday school. There's no amount of learning that you could do that would exhaust what is in this, this book that God has given us. So thanks be to God for His Word and um, I hope that I will hear from you or see you or read your comments until next time.